Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Keepers of the Book. I'm your host, Maz, joined here by my co-host, Mutahe. Uh Today, we'll be going over Mistborn, the Final Empire, chapter 6 through 8. Uh, Mithaya, take it away. Um, so, chapter 6, we immediately start off with Vin waking up like in a bed, which is really, apparently, um, uncommon for someone like her. And she's like, welcome to his open arms. They give her like food and a bath and her own room and stuff, which is really unusual for her because she's always used to being in a room with somebody else, you know, like her brother or other crew members or something. She gets called by this one really weird dude into <laughs> into this meeting. Who? What's his name? Um, Lestabornis. And I, I don't think they said his name, did they? No, they did. Uh, it's Lestabornis. Uh, I think it's I think, maybe, maybe in chapter seven even. But yeah, it's Lester Bornis, and uh, Kelsier says that we're going to find him a nickname because that name is really <laughs> long. Um, but yeah, she's called into like this meeting um, that the whole crew is having, and they're basically like throwing out ideas, brainstorming over how to take over the final empire or lose it, though, or like the whole thing. It looks like just bring down. It's weird, right? Because there's kind of like different plans. In the mix, there's Kelsier who wants to kill the Lord Ruler, right? And then there's the main objective is just to get... And like the quote-unquote, technically, the contract is just get Yeadon an army. Now there's other stuff involved, which we'll find, you know, as we talk about the chapter. But yeah, there's... There seems to be a lot at work here. Yeah. So then they discuss um, politics um, and how to basically take down Luthadel, which is their first goal so they were discussing that they can make the great houses fight each other because they're already like super hostile towards each other they like bite at each other every so often there was apparently like a like a a war that broke out in between a bunch of them like a century or two ago i don't remember exactly how long and vin brings up the idea or she asks like where the pits of hassan are and then they start brainstorming about that um and they could attack. Brainstorming to attack the pits. They know where the pits are. Yeah. It's to attack the pits so they can draw the garrison out of the city. Yeah. Um, which would make taking over Lucidel much, much easier. Because if the garrison is there, then they basically have no chance of taking over Lucidel. And everybody has kind of like their own role. So Breeze recruits the army. He like looks for soldiers and everything. Ham, he's the one who trains everybody. Because um, this is going to be like a whole like a year or two process. Who knows how long it's going to be. Maybe it'll go on for the whole series. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. Eden, he's kind of doing whoa, his... Whoa, wait, Say that last part again? Would you... you made a prediction. I want to hear What'd you say? Oh, that like this whole thing is either going to take up this whole book or the whole series. Like taking over Luthadel and everything. Because okay. you have to train... You have to First, you have to recruit people, which is hard enough because... You know, Final Empire is so strong. Yeah. And no one has morale. And uh, you have to train them. Man, you've been sipping that Yeedon Kool-Aid. Okay. (laughs) Um, Negativity. Speaking of Yeedon, he is going to lead the army into the city once we actually get him some soldiers. Um, He seems... I feel like he's he's got his own thing going on. I I feel like as soon as he gets his chance, he's just going to betray everybody. Because he doesn't like anyone. There. So, yeah, it's obviously he doesn't like anybody. He doesn't he doesn't hide that at all. But I'm curious why you think he's going to betray them. Because 
you know, he's not an Alamancer. And he's going against a Mistborn, which I don't know if Yidin knows he's a Mistborn, first of all. But he does know that there's that the arrest are at, le- at the very least mistings. Mm-hmm. And he knows like Kelsier is like, you know, tippity top, one of the best thieving crew leaders out there. So Prob- uh, bad idea by him. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that like with his army. Oh, you know? <laughs> OK. Yeah, that's fair. Because use the army to turn. Again. OK. Okay. Alright. Oh, I'm gonna go ahead. Uh yeah. I was confused about the whole Lord Renal Renox thing. Like what's going on with that? Their whole plan. Because they have an imposter. Mm-hmm. But why are they sending Vin to spy on the imposter? No no no. They're not sending Vin to spy on Renault. They're sending Vin to be an infiltrator as far as uh infiltrate like the nobility and like go to the parties and stuff like that and just Get intel on the different houses from a more, um, um, you know, ground level intel, I guess, just so they can get more details on who's spying on what house, who is uh, suspicious of what other house and family stuff. So they can kind of like, you know, play politics and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and Kel's brother is also thrown in here. His name is Marsh. He's apparently going to handle the ministry. At the end of the chapter, we see he's like pretty uncertain about joining. Well, doesn't him. he come in at the end? Yeah. He comes in at the yeah. end? Yeah. Okay. Uh, because someone asked, like, what about the ministry? And then Cal was like, oh, my brother will handle it. So he's he's supposed mm. yeah, to Yeah, he has an it. anime entrance. Yeah. He's like, my brother, I will not. <laughs> so. Yeah, and Marsh is pretty uncertain. And um, he asks to talk to Cal alone. But then ends up eavesdropping so that's the end of the chapter yeah so the thing about chapter six a few things stuck out to me another thing again my god this crew is hilarious <laughs> i just love it um and the, i forgot how actually funny this can be sometimes uh whenever at the very beginning before the whole crew gets there um vin is you know she knows where everybody's at. I think she's at like, you know, Dachshund's upstairs, Kelsier's in the kitchen or whatever. And Ham's like, do you always keep track of everybody? And she just says, yes. Like she says it like so nonchalantly that like Sanderson doesn't even says, you know, yet she, yes, Vin said nonchalantly or Vin said apprehend nothing, just simple. Yes. <laughs> um, I love the bluntness of it all. But another thing um, was that they, this guy keeps coming off like okay so for you predictions on reen like does he work for the ministry is he gonna show up later is he's probably gonna be a good guy you think he's gonna be a good guy okay yeah there there's a lot of um you know build up he's either gonna be like like a good guy that everybody hates (laughs) or he's gonna be a bad guy that everybody everybody hates hates. yeah (laughs) So either way, he's so gonna be hated. He probably, if he's a bad guy, he's gonna be like the like the final boss before the Lord Ruler. Okay, yeah, so are you thinking he's like the Lord Ruler's advisor at this point or something? No idea. <laughs> he could be. Okay, we don't know really anything about him other than his uh, his nice quotes that been. Yeah. So, um, you know, Reen, the, the one that I was actually talking about is that. Reen wanted Vin to not look like a girl 
and she he wanted her to look like a thief so that people would see her as a thief and first and a girl second, not you know the other way around. Again, constantly in the back of my mind, I'm thinking it's like, dude, he like again he was ruthless and probably too ruthless, but he did some stuff that like you know kept her alive. I, I don't I don't know if she would have survived without Reen, uh based on what we're seeing so far. I'm liking the politics, you know, like having all the houses fight each other and everything. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, and um, I think it was at this point where uh, they said that Kelsier intentionally got caught. Or not caught, but I would say he intentionally got seen, seen at yeah. Keep Venture so that, and so that they know it was a Mistborn. And again, Mistborn being as uh, rare as they are, it's going to attract attention. And, you know, now... now uh, house ventures like super on edge about like you know who's after them who's yeah. attacking them because typically miss ones are only top on a part of the high nobility yeah. right mm-hmm. so they think that high nobility like tried to assess yeah it's pretty funny that he was like oh dude someone tried to assassinate me he's like he didn't go anywhere near you <laughs> yeah yeah uh so and that that was the thing too it's like how, how can you think that he i wonder if keep venture is intentionally laying the news out there that he there was an assassination attempt because they don't want anybody to know that there was something in the safe. Oh, yeah. Right? Right, because he went after the safe. We know he went after the safe. And we know... He he knows that he was not really in danger because he was clearly... Kelsey was clearly going after the safe. Yeah. So if word gets out that a Mistborn, a single Mistborn went through all that trouble just to get one safe... I feel like that's going to increase, like, you know, talks mm-hmm. on the streets as to what's going on and keep venture. But one of the big things that really stuck out to me, uh, or probably stuck out of Ben more than me, is uh, how involved the crew was in the talking and the plan making and stuff like that. Now, granted, for Cammon's crew, we weren't, you know, we didn't really get that much uh, context or mm-hmm. details. And how the crews run, but remember whenever uh, Vin made a suggestion and then she just got beat up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So like, I'm uh, obviously you know we knew from the get go that Kelsier's crew is much nicer to be a part of than Cameron's crew. But to Vin, this is like really shocking here. You know that they're like they're all speaking of giving their own ideas and stuff like that. And not only that, they're also kind of refuting some ideas that Kelsey might throw out there, like as, as far as reasons as to why something's not going to work. Um, that could have saved Cam and a lot of headache. Uh, um, again, hilarious. When I, when they're listing the list of issues mm-hmm. that they might run into, uh, Kelsey writes Eden's bad attitude. That just, oh, Eden's so annoying, dude. It's like, we get it. You don't like thieves. You're kind of having second thoughts about all this, but yeah, it's okay. Just move on now, dude. Like yeah. you hired them, you already paid them money. You can leave, and and they've said that they've said that several times. Like you can leave anytime you want. They're of course keep the money, but you can leave anytime you want. You should have known what you were getting yourself into. But another thing is that I noticed was you see kind of bits and pieces of it. Um, especially in chapter six and seven, where Kelsier might be this seem to be this carefree, go happy, go lucky kind of guy, you know, who's like, you know, very relaxed and stuff like that. But there's definitely a darkness to him. Yeah, he's got a dark side. 
Uh, he, whenever, uh, I think the Vin says something like, you know, by the Lord ruler, like basically saying like, oh my God, but using the Lord ruler as, as like basically, uh, glorifying him essentially. Yeah. He, he says like, you know, don't, don't even use his name as, as an oath, Vin. Even blasphemy honors him. When you curse by that creature's name, you acknowledge him as your God. So like he he has conviction and I, and I don't understand why Yidin doesn't just kind of accept that like you know Kelsier is gonna follow through on the plan. Similar to like in a prologue, whenever he smiled a bunch, and whenever that one old dude he was like, "Why do you smile so much?" Um, and then Kel said, "If we're being all angry and stuff all the time, then we're just playing into his hands." Yeah. Or something yeah. like that. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, like basically a divide and conquer kind of thing. Yeah. And one thing I noticed from Ham, he said that uh, Lord Ruler likes to keep his defeats to a minimum. He's nothing if not vain. This one kind of surprised me. Because if you're this immortal god king, all-powerful Elementor, not just all-powerful Elementor, apparently like the most powerful Elementor ever that we've ever seen, right? Mm-hmm. Why does he care about losing troops? Right, that part surprised me. So th- that stuck out to me, honestly. I-, I-, I wonder if there's something about him that... So he doesn't like losing troops, but he's a dictator. I don't know if we've ever... Do you get what I'm trying to say here? Kind of. He's talking about... like they were, When they were talking about going into the caves, right? Yeah. They, uh, they were saying that, you know, the Lord Ruler wouldn't dare to attack that. Or he wouldn't want to attack that, I should say. Because then if you attack in the caves and that's nasty business, you know, you could get caught and you could lose a lot of troops and he doesn't like losing a lot of troops. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of a dictator who, I mean, I'm not saying dictators like to lose soldiers, but for an immortal, all-powerful God King to be scared to have any form of like, you know, attrition like that, I guess. He might not be immortal, you know, I feel like he's doing that, um, to make people afraid, maybe he brainwashed people, brainwashed an entire entire generation. We don't really know what he can do, because I I'm thinking he's like super super old, so he probably like brainwashed that generation and everyone and their child thought like, oh, this dude is the real deal. Yeah, um, I wonder too. Like, I don't. Most people have not seen this movie. I'm surprised that I remember the, this movie. It was an old old animated movie. I want to say old old. Probably in the last like 10, 15 years, animated movie. It's called Igor, I think. <laughs> Do you remember it? Yeah. And so I remember Igor kind of sticking in the back of my mind when I read this book because it seemed something like, you know, there was this cloud that came on the world and then this city, they would make monsters or something like that to fight. Or I forget the exact plot of what it was, but it was like a manufactured issue. So I wonder if, like, you know, Lord Ruler is intentionally manufacturing a lot of this stuff to remain in power. Or if, what if he's not immortal? Like he said, you know, what if he's not immortal? Yeah. What if it's just, like, one guy who has a kid and then he takes over, but then it's, you know, propaganda-wise, it's one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just something to think about, right? Um, but maybe not because he got captured by Kelsier. So Kelsier has seen him. Well, but, but Kelsier has seen him. But doesn't mean that that's the same Lord Ruler that was, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Ascended or Sliver Infinity. He has some sick names, by the way. The Sliver of Infinity, the <laughs> Avatar of God, and so like that. It's like, dude, 
these are these are anime. Um, again, there's more and more examples constantly popping up of the whole uh, ska soldiers who serve the nobility. Like, what's the ethics of that? Because Ham brings it up too, right? Uh, you didn't, in fact, call them traitors, and Ham just shrugs it off. He says most of them aren't proud of what they did, but most of them also like to eat. It's a hard world, Eden. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I'll probably end up repeating this over and over again, but I think it is a really important theme of the book uh, that it's it's a hard sell. You know, like at what point are you a sellout to your own people, and at what point are you just, you know, looking after the well being of your family? Mm-hmm. And then also jumping over to Lord Renault, uh, he's got an imposter and he says that he's really good. And I think even Breeze says, like, I think Breeze knows what's going on because there's something that Kelsier said that, like, really stuck out. And Breeze is like, he started laughing about it or something like that. All right, so, anyways, chapter seven starts off with uh, basically the entire group has kind of scrammed and then. Kelsier is talking to his older brother. And I, again, this is just between Kelsier and uh, Marsh. Vin is hiding and just eavesdropping. But Marsh is kind of upset with Kelsier because he he feels like Marsh is... Or sorry, Marsh feels like Kelsier is only doing this because of pride or possibly even money. Um, Kelsier doesn't feel offended at first and he's kind of like laughing it off. But then he actually says this too. Uh, which I thought was funny because it's really true, at least for me. He knows exactly how to make me mad. That's perfect. Like every, like that's like every sibling relationship ever. Mm-hmm. Like you all know how to just press the right buttons. And Marsh definitely knows how to press Kelsier's buttons. And he was the only one who like took away his humor for a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is why I like Kelsier a lot, right? Like he, he, you can tell that there's a lot of pain in that character and Marsh really, br- I love Marsh and Kelsier's interactions. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're some of the best uh, character interactions. So Marsh kind of gets convinced eventually and he gives in and he said he'll, you know, infiltrate the ministry, which I'm not sure what that involves exactly. Like, what do you mean infiltrate the ministry? Are you going to be like a gender? Like, what does that mean? It, I like Marsh. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, and it it's crazy, right? That you, we don't get much. This is a, I think this is the first time we've actually run into Marsh, and mm-hmm. you kind of you can't help but just love him right away. So, anyways, um, Marsh leaves, and then Kelsier takes Vin out, and then starts teaching her the medals. Uh, and this is this is what's known as like just the info dump, right? Uh, certain books have this, maybe spread across several chapters. Sanderson, it seems like he likes to do the uh, info dump method. I think we talked about it a little bit last time. I personally like the info dump method because it doesn't feel too jarring. I can see why it kind of sticks out to some people. But anyways, he gives her a mist cloak, which uh, the way I I thought of it, it was it's just a regular old cloak with a hood, but it's just like cut up into stripes below the shoulder. Yeah, I saw a picture of it. It was kind of you know pointless <laughs> i mean it look again super anime but yeah. and we'll, we'll post the pictures of that too on uh on the show notes but anyways he starts going through the medals and so he brings up you know 
pewter increases strength, and then tin increases all senses, including pain. So be aware of that. And then he goes on explaining, I'll just go through the list. Bronze, which whenever you burn bronze, you can uh, see other people who are, uh, I don't know what the, burning metals. So you can see other people who are burning metals around you. <laughs> yeah, I, was about to, I literally was about to say channeling. Uh, I had to stop myself. So, so that's like the Steel Inquisitor power. As they use, uh, what was that? Bronze. Yeah, they use bronze. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then let me just go through it real quick. So, copper hides you. So, if you have a copper turned on, and then you can use the other metals, then you can hide yourself. That's why, like, clubs is a smoker. Apparently, you can put up a copper cloud to hide others. Yeah, uh, with you as well. So they apparently all have names too. So people who burn pewter because they increase strength, they're known as thugs. Tin burners are known as tin eyes. Uh, bronze are seekers. Coppers are uh, smokers. And then he doesn't really bring this up now, but you know it's not a spoiler by any means. Steel push and iron pull. Right, so if you burn steel, you can push things. We already kind of knew about this whenever he was raiding uh, Keep Venture. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, they're no, known as coin shots. Mm. They're guys who steel push. And then the guys who iron pull, again, these are misting, so they can only burn one metal. Yeah. Um, those who do iron pull, they're known as lurchers. Uh, I have not remembered any of these names or what any of these metals do. Yeah, I mean, okay, so the thing is... You will. Uh, the how every single time that these characters will burn their respective metals, Sanderson will say stuff like "steel push," and you know, pewter enhanced strength, and her the pewter enhanced muscles, like you know, hardened her bones, so it kept it from breaking and so that. So he'll say what metal is doing what, and. Okay. Over the course of all three of the books, by the way. And it does get annoying. In my opinion, it definitely gets annoying. So, the I like this chapter a lot. I don't know about you. Chapter 7? I like the first half a lot. Like, the marsh thing. I, I love that so much. So, I... What about it did you not like about the second half? Did you not like that it was info dumpy? I like... Uh, I didn't dislike it. I just liked the first half. Because of, of Marsh? Yeah. That was That's fair. Um, I think... I like Info Dumps because I liked Half-Blood Prince. So <laughs> I, I actually really like Info Dumps too. I, I like Info Dumps because, especially for a first book, or when something's just a lot of information. Yeah. Because, and, you know, we talked about this last time too, but just to touch up on it again, when you have a big world or a complex system like Mistborn's magic system is, going through all of that over several chapters and piecing it together yourself can get cumbersome. Um, but having it all presented to you all at once. And by the way, these aren't all of them, right? These are just the more common ones. We're missing two, I thought, only. Yes. Yeah. So he does say in chapter eight, he goes up on uh, It's brought up again. Um, there there are two other ones, but he said they're kind of complex, I guess, in the way that they work. So but we will, you know, obviously come across them. 
Um, but one thing I really liked about this chapter is that the concept of the magic system is also kind of deep. And, and I mean, deep philosophically speaking, right? Because Kelsey, and I, I like this line a lot. Um, he said, everything has consequences. Mm-hmm. And I like that a lot. So Pewter, you know, he said, you're burning. And by the way, one thing to also note, different metals burn at different rates. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the um, Pewter one, the one that strengthens you, didn't that burn much faster? Yeah, and I think it was super slow. Which was oh, I already remember. Peter was strengthened, and ten was um, the senses one. Yeah, ten yeah. burns super slowly, so you can like keep it on. Yeah, and copper I think also burns slowly, and so a lot of these burn uh, slowly. But I think like the, what what I love about this is uh, they're alloys of each other, right? I think like Peter is an alloy of ten, or it might be the other way around. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not a chemist. Um, and then bronze is to copper and then, you know, steel is to iron. So it's really cool because there's the internal and external. And then there's like the internal mind, external mind. So, and then there's also the soothing and writing uh, emotions. I forget. And I actually did not write it down what those metals were. Um, but I think it's brass uh, was one. Yeah, I, I didn't write it down, but I, I, I'm pretty sure one was brass. But anyways, um, he says, you know, there's consequences. Because with pewter, you could be carrying something really heavy. And then as soon as the pewter runs out, you're in trouble, right? Like, let's just say if you're carrying, like, a massive boulder. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden your pewter runs out, then, you know, you crush your knees. You, you might die. Mm-hmm. So that's... And the pulling also can kill you, too. Um, like, if you're, like, falling... Then you can get impaled or something. Yeah, yeah. So or, that's that's what I love about this is consequences. There's consequences to your actions, right? He says something like tin, right? It enhances your senses. And then he, <laughs> I love what he does. He like screams at Vin just to prove his point. Yeah. Where she had tin running. But then whenever he like kind of shouted, uh, her ears were not prepared for it. So that kind of like, you know, just shocked her. So imagine something like, a flashbang, mm-hmm. right? Like a flashbang grenade that for us, that's yeah, a flashbang grenade. That's like awful. But then for 10 eyes, if they're in a dark room and all of a sudden I just turn on a bunch of lights to them, that's basically a flashbang grenade. Like, yeah. Uh, and you know, of course pain. So pain is also mm-hmm. increased that. So what if you're burning pewter and tin at the same time? Is it, does that cancel each other out? It does in the sense that like tin will make you feel the pain more, but the pewter kind of strengthens you. So it's not bad. (laughs) (laughs) So this is what I was curious about. So go back up. So bronze shows. So bronze is like the steel inquisitors. Yeah. They're the seekers. Yeah. And clubs uses copper to hide Mm -hmm. people like smoker. So I wonder, chapter like two or something, they talked about uh, how the technique can also change how how the effect is, how the effect actually is. What do you mean? Like, like the technique that you burn it or something? Because remember I had a question last time where how come 
Vin is able to figure out so easily that she's being soothed whenever other people can't. Mm. Okay, so this isn't much of a spoiler. In fact, I wouldn't say it's really a spoiler, but when it comes to something like soothing or riding your emotions, you can kind of feel it simply because if somebody doesn't, if somebody pushes too hard, yeah, right. Like it's it's like regular manipulation, mm-hmm. for example, right? If if you're manipulating somebody through words, if you're pushing them too hard, they're gonna pick up on it that you're manipulating them, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, this guy is kind of tricking me. It's the same thing with soothing and riding the emotions. When all of a sudden you kind of feel like, huh, I don't think this doesn't make sense. Like, it's like a mental thing for sure. So I was thinking, can someone who's burning bronze, if he's burning more or something, or he's like better at it or whatever, can he see that someone is burning copper if they're burning less of copper? I cannot tell you that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I just can't tell you that. <laughs> so, anyways, move on to chapter eight, and that will be actually, disastrous, actually, because steel inquisitors apparently suck. Yes. So, if clubs messes up, then well, clubs is apparently one of the best smokers in the city. So, this ain't his first rodeo. But if he like doesn't, hopefully, <laughs> if he like doesn't burn enough. And a steel inquisitor walks by, he's like, you know, burning his entire stomach, then bye bye. Yep. Bye bye crew. That's my could be, it could be a short trilogy. <laughs> yeah. That's my so, Roll of credits. Uh so anyways, yeah, chapter seven actually ends with um uh, them kind of testing out the steel push and iron pull. And this is really interesting, but we'll get into the actual physics of it in a little bit. Um, so he ends with jumping from, I think a building over and up onto a wall. And I think it's like the border wall. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, it's at nighttime, the mists are out. So yeah, that the chapter kind of ends with her like in the middle of the air. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the physics of the steel and iron, uh, the steel pushing and iron pulling, mm-hmm. right? Because, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, Whenever you're like pushing like side, if you're like to the side, then you get arced. Kind yeah, of. yeah. The, so I think the, it's the cool. whole yeah. physics of it is amazing, right? So she tried it where she pushes, I, I think like some pin or something like that, some metal pin up against a wall. So when the, when there was no resistance, right? When Vin is pushing the pin through the air, there's no resistance, so it's just pushing through its own weight. Then as soon as it hits the wall and she tries to push, it pushes herself back. It's like uh because it's like Newton. Yeah, right? Like it's like the laws of physics. With so she's every... pushing up against the wall. So because the wall weighs more than her or it's more anchored on the ground, she's gonna be pushed back. So that that's how they do the whole Spider-Man swinging thing, right? So here is my thought. So iron, you pull, right? Yeah. So if you like, like tape like iron to your feet, like at the bottom of your feet, <laughs> then you pull it. With every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if you're pulling it up onto you, then the iron should push down, which means that you should go up. No. 
No, no, no. That's not how that works. So that's not even how physics works. First of all, no, because uh, like you're pushing. You're. you're are you pulling. pushing on the iron? Or are you pulling on the iron? You said pulling. You. Okay, I got it backwards. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because you're right. If the if there's some metal on the floor, it doesn't have to be iron, right? It could just be any metal. If there's some metal on the floor, and then I'm standing right over it, and then I push, steel push hard, it's going to jettison me upwards straight up into the air. What if, uh, if it's taped onto your feet or something, hypothetically, would it just push you down faster? No, eventually something's going to have to give. Like the tape's either going to give or you're not really going to go anywhere, right? Because you're going to be anchored to the ground, essentially. Because you're... I mean, like in the, middle, in the middle of the air, would you... And you have it taped to your foot. It would just, like, push you down. If, if again, it's like the physics stuff, right? So if it's, like, anchored tightly onto your foot, you're going to go down. Okay. But if it's um, kind of loosely, like, you know, like bound together by a rope or something like that and then you push it most likely it's going to tear the rope or just slide out and then just go shooting down okay so last last stupid question so <laughs> so you there's are... a lot of cool stuff that you can do with this this is what's amazing about this magic system so you are pushing something against a wall mm-hmm. and you're getting pushed back yeah is there an amount that you get pushed? Like, does the amount that you get pushed is different with the amount that you burn? Or is it like... Yeah, so, like, he, he did talk about flaring. Like, yeah. when you flare, like, it makes it more powerful, mm-hmm. right? If you flare a pewter, it's even extra, a little bit extra juice. Um, but, yeah, you know, like, if, you, if, if I still push a metal up against a wall and I just flare it, like, it's going to make me go flying. Whereas if I'm just like barely pushing, I might just be sliding across the floor. Look, what if? Keep them coming. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Wait, what if it like goes through? Like, it like you're like in a forest or something, mm-hmm. and you're just pushing it so hard that it goes through all the trees, and you're just not yeah, going anywhere. Right, like that's that's possible too. Mm. But those trees would have to be lighter than you, right? Because it's a weight thing. Oh. So if it's like small trees, then sure. Because he did talk about that, right? Like, because you're smaller, don't get into a a push pull battle with somebody bigger than you. Which, you know, for a 13 year old girl, that's like everybody is bigger than her. But if you're pushing somebody who's heavier than you, say you're like 100 pounds, you're pushing someone like 150. Whenever you're pushing someone and then you get pushed back, that's 100 pounds being pushed back. That's also 100 pounds being pushed forward. So you're pushing 100 pounds into that 150 pound guy i mean i don't know enough physics to really answer that question (laughs) (laughs) that's how it works you push it yeah but i don't think it's 100 pounds coming right back but that's the only way you're getting pushed back is because you're getting 100 pounds back but you're also pushing no no you're not getting 100 pounds back you're getting if if you were pushing 100 pounds this way and then you have 100 pounds going the opposite way it would just be a standstill if it's, it would have to be over 100 pounds to push you back. Yeah, so that means you're still pushing at least 99 pounds to the guy. So, yeah. so would that actually do anything? Um, no, right? Because if they, if again, basic mm. physics, this is we're getting way <laughs> off track, but I'm, I'm entertaining this idea. So, if I'm pushing you 100 pounds one way and the other guy's pushing you 150 pounds the other way, 
you're you're basically being pushed back 50 miles per hour the other way. Instead of saying pounds, as you go off speed, like miles per hour, right? You're going 100 miles per hour one way, and something else is pushing you back 150 miles per hour the other way. The 150 mile per hour object is not going to move at all. In fact, it's going to be moving you back 50 miles per hour. But like in like a car wreck, you're both getting wrecked, though. Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of physics stuff involved. Whatever, we're moving on. <laughs> Come on, Sanderson. What's your PhD? Anyway, so <laughs> chapter eight starts off uh, like right away where we left off in chapter seven. She's in the middle of the air and she's kind of just floating there. And again, this is a cool thing because she is presumably right above the ingot, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And she's just hovering because she's just pushing against it and she's basically as high up as she can go and she's constantly pushing. So she's just hovering there. So Kelsey eventually, um, I think he pulls her using her belt buckle. Yeah. So he like, you know, iron pulls her over to the wall. And so you can push, pull any metal. Yeah, you can push, pull any metal. So that whole like pure metal thing was just for ingesting it. Ingesting it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. So anyways, continues to actually jump over the wall and yeah. um is that illegal i don't know i don't know about the whole curfew rules or anything like that I, I don't know if it's really necessary to make it illegal just because most of the scars are not really not you know gonna do anything i can't imagine it'd be illegal for any of the nobility i think he did say that if any of the guards see them they're not gonna bother them because they're gonna assume this just misborn practicing yeah so for the sky it might be le- illegal but it's an unnecessary law because, again, you know, they're scared to death of the mists. I mean, hell, even Dachshund was scared of the mist, mm-hmm. you know? And he's one of the best crew uh, crew members in all of Final Empire. So they go over the wall and they come across this mist wraith. And I, I don't know if we discussed whether or not we thought that it was real. But, I yeah. I think so. They're real. So... <laughs> Mist race are weird. Uh, he said that they're basically harmless. You know, they just take the bones of dead animals and people and stuff like that and then just kind of absorb them into this massive gelatinous mass. Um, Why are people so scared of them? Has no one walked out? Well, again, I think Kelsier talked about how Ska don't know about them. It's just stories, you know, like the superstition. And then... I feel like in this many years, someone should have... Someone like, I don't know, suicidal or something would have walked out. It would have walked out, but at the same time, you know, as soon as you get out there, you see this massive, slimy blob that has the skull of humans and deer antlers and, I don't know, (laughs) lizard feet. I don't know. It's just... A bunch of, of yeah yeah all right so a bunch of stuff combined like that's gonna freak you out like even if the thing doesn't attack you you're not gonna stick around to find out if it will so it definitely makes sense but anyways they keep going and uh they go up to the main road and there's a carriage they're waiting for them and out steps none other than a terrorist man now, I don't know if you guys have taken my advice of making sure that you read the uh, epigraphs, but the terrorists have been brought up at least three or four times so far in the epigraphs. Yep. Um, 
So his name is CZ. Uh, and based off of Vin says, like, that uh, basically all terrorists are like stewards or servants or something like that. And the dude's like super polite. And they take a carriage to uh, Felice, which is uh, where Lord Renault's mansion is. But while they're going over there, Vin kind of still distrusts Kelsier. And Kelsier basically gives her an ultimatum, you know, like, if you don't trust me, then here, take the money from Cammon's, you know, thieving. I think it's like 3,000 boxings. Um, I'll teach you what the remaining two medals do, and then you can be on your way. Uh, And that's, you know, he, he takes a gamble, but... He just doesn't want somebody who doesn't really trust him in his, in this massive plan, and I don't blame him. Yeah, it doesn't like why waste your time with someone who's you know not willing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that kind of thing. Uh, Vin for some reason stays, and I think she doesn't admit it. And this is what I like about the writing too is that she doesn't come out and admit it from when it's from her perspective, right? That Vin doesn't admit it as a character herself that. She's warming up to Kelsier. But we see it, right? Because later, um, she kind of gets offended that Kelsier doesn't trust her with something. Yeah. So anyways, she agrees to stay. And then they get to Renault's mansion. And it's, you know, so clean. Like Vince, like, just stunned how clean it is. Um, anyways, as soon as they get in, Kelsier and Renault go off to talk. And this is the time I was talking about where... Vin feels jealous. Not, I mean, not jealous, but she feels kind of hurt, right? Like, she she was warming up to Kelsier. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's only been a couple days. And, you know, as a massive fangirl of Kelsier myself, I totally get it. Uh, so, I did notice something. Um, I wanted to mention this before, but I didn't. You know. Terrace is a different place in the map in the beginning of the book. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it says the terrorist dominance is like in the north. So uh, I don't know if it was last episode or episode before that. I um, predicted that the person in the epigraphs was from a long time ago, just because um, in the chapter three epigraph she was talking about how there's like mountains and stuff with without and with like actual like greenery and stuff. So I'm thinking that the ash is only in the central dominance, which is in the uh, the map. We'll put a picture of the map in the in the show notes. Um, but Terrace, I feel like, is just a whole nother place. Maybe it has its own Lord Ruler or something. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because uh, surrounding the uh, surrounding the central dominance, which is where Lucidel is, there's a bunch of volcanoes and stuff. So maybe only in the inside. There's like a bunch mm, of ash. Okay. But north, east, south. Oh, west. you're saying, okay, there's kind of like, I, I see what you're saying. There's almost like a circle of volcanoes around yeah. Lucido, and you're saying outside it, there's not going to be ash. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. Which doesn't like make any sense, but, you know. Maybe he has like a dome almost around that whole area, keeping the ash in. Yeah. Also, another thing interesting about the, uh, the map, um, that was the final Empire map, but the next page is a Lucidel map. Instead of saying North, East, South, West, there's like these symbols. Um, and I'm pretty sure that uh, it's like the 
the metal symbols, but yeah. Do they have a different language or something? Those symbols look so cool. I already changed my profile picture. Really? Yeah. Well, they are the metal symbols. Maybe. Don't look any further, by the way. Okay. Maybe that's... You already went on Google Images and started like, do (laughs) not look any further. (laughs) Maybe, like, uh, that's where you find the metals. Is like, so, so I don't know what that symbol is. Let's say north. The north symbol is, like, iron. So maybe if you go north, there's iron. Northeast is whatever that is. Okay. And so on. That's that's an interesting. Okay, that's an interesting. Because uh, these are metals, right? No, yeah. the The symbols are. I could be wrong that they're not metals, but the metal symbols in this world look just like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, she is hurt. Right, that she's not hurt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she is right. Like, she gets kind of upset that Kelsier kind of doesn't trust her, and then she kind of tells herself, you know, like this is normal. He's not going to obviously not going to trust you with everything. So, but she's kind of disappointed in herself, like wondering why does she care so much? And I think it's just she just can't help it. Yeah, you know, Kelsier just has that charisma. You can't help but love to do. Yeah, I mean, if if I knew that guy in real life. I'd, I'd be his friend, best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the question is, would he be your friend? Yeah, I'd make him my friend. Ah, okay, in doubt. Anyways, <laughs> um, and Vin also remarks that Renault is a really good imposter. Like, she said that Cameron was good at impersonating a nobleman, and she notes that Renault is, like, perfect. Like, his mannerisms and the way he talks and his arrogant demeanor, basically. It definitely is... Um, it's definitely a well done uh, imposter right there. Looking at the map further. Oh my god, okay. I think I got it right. Because um, south, it's kind of hard to read, but there's like the zinc gate, there's like the pewter gate, the tin gate, the brass gate. So I feel like those things are. So do you think that gate are made out of those metals? Yeah. This seems like a very terrible defense system. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I mean, like, I'm like a copper gate, right? Like, I don't think, like, doesn't copper, like, meld or meld, uh, bend really easily? Well, wasn't copper, like, the, the weakness of that one dude in Megamind? No. It's, first of all, no, it's not. I know what you're talking about. Was it no, brass? No, it was copper. Yeah. It was a copper thing. First of all, he faked it. Oh, yeah, it's true. Copper has never been a weakness to anybody. So I don't even want to hear it. (laughs) Pulls out Megamind. Anyways, my God, you got me completely off track. (laughs) So Seizet and Vin start talking, and Vin... Seizet is really interesting, too. He's also one of my favorite characters in the trilogy. Seizet... Um, starts asking about her religious beliefs, which, I mean, today's day and age, you don't talk about religion or politics, and his his conversation icebreaker is straight up, what religion do you believe in, basically? I feel like terrorist men are like that, like religious, because they're, they're just completely different. They're a different race, because they're, like, taller, you know. Yeah, I, and I don't know. I don't know if they're... 
a different race or are they just a different culture of people, right? Like, would you think, you know, if you were an African and then you came across a Viking in the ancient times, would you think that they were a different race or species even? Probably. Like, I guess maybe that sounds like a stupid question. Like, you know, obviously you'd think that they're human, but, you know, a terrorist still seems like a humanoid kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I mean, you could be right. Could be a different race. I feel uh, like Steel Inquisitors are just like aliens, dude. Well, he he did actually talk about that at the end of chapter seven. Um, he uh, Kelser does ta- uh, bring up that, or at least imply that Steel Inquisitors are made. Now mm-hmm. I don't understand if they're you know get grabbing how maybe some obligators who are misborn or mistings or seekers or something like that. And then just hammering spikes through their head, and then like, boom, steel inquisitor. That must be painful, and like, they must be human, unless other animals or creatures or something can burn bronze. Was it? Yeah, bronze or, is a yeah. yeah. See, you're already getting it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I. But he does say that they're like made. Um, now, just need to find out what they're made of like are they what are, and what's the purpose of the actual steel in their eyes because do, do they have steel anywhere else i think it's just in their eyes right that's what the picture showed uh-huh. they look scary so anyways renault kelsey eventually come back and renault kind of agrees to let her play the role of a noble woman but he says that she can't play the role of his heir directly it would have to be like some distant cousin's daughter. Um, so that way it doesn't attract too much attention. And Seized is tasked with teaching Vin the ways of the nobility. And But before the chapter closes, Kelsier does uh, confirm to Vin that he does trust her. He's just not telling her. Or he took Renault off to the side to talk to him privately for some private personal matter mm-hmm. do you believe him yes personal yeah personally you believe him okay per- no like personal matter yeah yeah you think so okay um i i don't i don't know if i believed him the first time around and i mean again you know when you're the leader it's kind of got need to know basis i i he's not a lying kind of guy yeah i don't think yeah, but when you're plotting something this big, sometimes it just not everyone needs to know everything, right? Like that, that's that's also the big thing while plotting something like this. You don't want everyone to know every detail of the plan. So if one person gets caught, the entire plan doesn't get compromised through and through, right? If let's just say only Ham gets compromised, then only the training parts of it gets compromised. Then they can yeah. replace him easily. Whereas if Ham knows the details of every plan, which that does seem to be the case, by the way, <laughs> you know, they yeah. all seem to know the, the details of every one of their plans individually. But anyways, one thing right. kind of funny on chapter eight, uh, he shall defend their ways yet shall violate them. He will be their savior yet. They shall care, call him heretic. His name shall be discord. See the problem right there is, he should have used TeamSpeak instead. Maybe he wouldn't have been so angry. You know? Raid call. 
Yeah, um, you know, something mumble, you know, trial mumble Skype. Uh, okay, no. That's a straight up dictator. <laughs> a dictator uses Skype. I'm just getting straight up confused with these epic graphs. I like the earlier ones better because they're more detailed and there's more of it. Now it's just like two lines. Yeah. You can't really get anything out of that. Yeah, the, at the beginning of the epic graphs are like, they're intriguing. And then all of a sudden they became like super vague. Yeah. Um, and like, and you can't even tell which direction they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, do we figure it out at the end of this book or the series? I'm not going to tell you that. God dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Just got... out of disappointment. Yeah. I... Nope. Not going to tell you. So one thing is that when Kelsier, um, Kelsier is like considering whether or not to let her go this is when they're in the carriage uh, kelsier you know gives her the ultimatum is like listen if you don't trust me just leave i'll give you the money i'll teach you the last two medals and you can go on your way uh he says you know she was not a bad person she just thinks everybody else says that stuck out to me you know vin doesn't think and vin's not a bad person herself but she just thinks everybody else is bad yeah and it, it just shows the trauma that this poor girl's been through you know um Vin asks about Kelsey's relationship with Marsh. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, we fight. And he's like, did he? and she kind of like, you know, oh, yeah, he beat you, huh? He's like, what? No, he didn't <laughs> beat me. And, and then he's like, oh, 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 so you stopped him then. That's why he must be mad because you stopped him from beating you. It's like, no, no. This, <laughs> so, I mean, dude, this poor girl, man. She's been through so much crap, man. Yeah. Um, it's it's really sad to see, uh, and that's why he's having such a hard time like breaking through that. You know, when when the only thing you've known is your mother trying to kill you, your brother's toughing you up, sure, but at the expense of you know handful of brain cells, maybe it's your entire childhood. Yeah, it's uh, and I think they also mentioned that they never stayed in one place either. They was constantly jumping around. Oh, one thing. Yes. I forgot this. They said that um, Vin, uh, Reen would take Vin around and move around constantly from city to city or area to area mm-hmm. as if though he was running from something. Did you pick up on that? Nope. <laughs> now, that you, now that I've brought that to your attention, what do you think he's running from? Um, debts from like other yeah other crew leaders. Okay, yeah, I mean that 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 would actually be consistent, right? Because he got debts with Cammon, and then he got yes. left Vin. Yes. Okay. All right, I can see that. I'm way off, aren't I? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> Sounds like you need to read ahead and find out. But I think that's that all about do it uh, from us for this episode. Um. Congrats, everybody. We are done with part one, The Survivor of Hassan. We are now starting part two, Rebels Beneath a Sky of Ash. God, so epic. I like part three's title better. Children of a Bleeding Sun. Dancers in a Sea of Mist. My God, this dude. He's believers in a forgotten world that one's not that great yeah i like the children children of a bleeding bleeding sun that part is big yeah that's that's a many of pages 
this many of pages. But we will take it in stride, as always. So next time, we will be covering chapters 9, 10, and 11, uh, starting part 2 of Mistborn and the Final Empire. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Please, as always, give us feedback. Share this with anybody who you think will like it. Um, we have started a Twitter page. Please follow us at, at pod bookkeepers. Um, I think I got that right. If you look up Keepers of the Book on Twitter, I'm sure it'll come up. I'll drop it in the show notes as well, just in case. But yeah, until next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.